Welcome back to the listener's commentary on the letter of Paul to the Galatians. In this session, we're going to begin looking at the third snapshot from Paul's autobiography, uh, Galatians 2, 11 through 21. We will look in this session at the first part of that, Galatians 2, 11 through 13. And to get started, let's just recall the context of where we're at. Paul has been engaged in really an extended autobiographical section. He's been taking snapshots from his life that are pertinent to the issues at hand in Galatia. And so far, we have seen two of those snapshots. In uh, chapter 1, Paul really deals with his conversion, and he does so to show that the gospel that he preaches was not something he made up or was not something he even received from the church in Jerusalem and the Jerusalem leadership and the apostles, but he received his gospel from a revelation of Jesus Christ, as he says. Then in snapshot number two, uh, in Galatians 2, 1 through 10, Paul details a meeting that occurred in Jerusalem between Paul and some of his ministry colleagues with the apostles and elders, the leaders in the church in Jerusalem, where he laid out his gospel before them to say, look, am I preaching anything wrong? And he wasn't worried so much about that because he knew where he got it. But are we on the same page? Will you support my ministry to the Gentiles and my gospel ministry to them? And the net effect of that was that uh, they extended to him the right hand of partnership in gospel ministry. Well, here in Galatians 2, 11 through 21, we are going to see the third snapshot, the final snapshot in this autobiographical section. And here Paul deals with an event that happened in sort of his sending church in Antioch between he and Peter and the church there. The point of this snapshot is that Paul's gospel is so true and so trustworthy that even Peter can be called to account by it and for it, uh, and Peter can submit to it. And so Paul, again, is defending himself or dealing with issues from his life, perhaps ones that the Judaizers have brought up there in Galatia, but he's doing so to actually defend the independence and authority of his gospel. The gospel Paul preaches is independent of the Jerusalem church and the apostles. He received it by revelation. And it's so authoritative that we see in this episode that uh, even Peter can be called to account by it. Now, this section can be broken into two chunks. Verses 11 through 13 describe Peter's behavior. Verses 14 through 21 really detail Paul's response, or summarize at least Paul's response to Peter, the words he said, and those words then set up so many other things he wants to say in the letter. So with that, let's look at the details of this snapshot from Paul's life. Galatians 2.11 begins like this. But when Cephas, Cephas is Peter, we mentioned that in our last session, that Paul regularly calls Peter by the name Cephas, which is just the Aramaic version of Peter. So when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, Antioch is a major city up to the north of Jerusalem, about 300 miles north of Jerusalem, right on the northeastern corner of the Mediterranean Sea, 
and it really was the home base for Paul's missionary travels. When he would uh, return from one of his missionary trips, he would return to Antioch and settle in there for a little bit before he took off again for another trip. So think of Antioch as the church where Paul is kind of stationed out of and where he operates out of. So when Cephas came to Antioch, Paul writes, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. And this is very strong language for Paul to write about a fellow apostle, and not just any apostle, the apostle Peter, who obviously is one of the major players in the entire early church and one of the central figures operating out of the Jerusalem church. And Paul says he opposed him to his face. Paul went toe-to-toe with him and opposed Peter's behavior. And he did so, he says, because Peter stood condemned. Again, very strong language that Paul uses for um, how he perceived Peter and Peter's actions and what those actions meant. So what exactly did Peter do? Well, let's keep reading Galatians 2.12. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, this is James, the Lord's brother, who was really in a lot of ways the prime leader in the Jerusalem church who had a lot of clout with the Jewish Christians. And so some men from James, meaning from the Jerusalem church, who at least claimed authority from James, So some men from James came to Antioch as well. So for prior to the coming of certain men from James, he, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. All right, let's make sure we understand what's going on then. Peter has come to Antioch. He's come maybe just to see the church there, to see the ministry there. He's heard, obviously, from Paul about what's going on there. And he tends to have been located more down around Jerusalem. But at this point, it's like, man, let's go see what God is doing up here in Antioch. So Peter comes to Antioch. And when he initially comes, there's all these Gentile Christians. And it says Peter's eating with them. He used to eat with the Gentiles. Um This means that he is, bare minimum, eating in the same room at the same table with Gentiles. Quite possibly, it means he's eating even from the same plates and bowls as Gentiles and likely eating the same food. In other words, Peter is showing the freedom that he has to, uh, as a Jew, to welcome Gentiles into the family and to fellowship with them, to eat with them. It makes sense that Peter would do this. Peter is the one who, in Acts chapter 10, had the vision of the great white sheet where uh, all these unclean animals are on it, and God says, don't let anything that I've deemed clean be considered unclean any longer. And Peter understood in the context that that meant, oh, Gentiles are now being welcomed in as clean, not unclean. And not only that, Peter's the one who, in Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem conference, actually stood up and gave his opinion that they should welcome in the uh, the Gentiles based on what happened to him there in Cornelius' household in Acts chapter 10. So Peter has been kind of over the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years, he's been mulling on and wrestling with this idea of welcoming Gentiles and what that means. And so Peter has kind of been emerging to this point. So it makes sense that Peter does this. And so Peter shows up in Antioch. He sees the church, he meets the Gentile Christians, and he begins eating with them. And then all of a sudden, some men come from James. Now the question is, 
did they really come from James? Like, were they sent from James to sort of see what was going on? If so, when they arrived, did they overstep the bounds of their authority? Um, or did James actually instruct them to do this? My suspicion is these men overstepped their bounds, and I suspect that based on what we see in Galatians chapter 2, 1 through 10, that second snapshot from Paul's life, where James is one of the people who gives Paul the right hand of ministry to go to the Gentiles. And when you read the account in Acts chapter 15, James actually quotes scripture, Old Testament scripture, to say, when Messiah comes and the great renewal begins, the Gentiles are going to be welcomed as Gentiles. And so I'm guessing that these men may have had some connection with James and Certainly, they had connection with the Jerusalem church, but they likely overstepped their bounds by making Peter feel guilty about eating with the Gentiles and raising all sorts of uh, fear and suspicion in him for that. So, these men from James come, and in whatever way they go about it, they convince Peter that it's inappropriate for him to be eating with the Gentiles. So Peter begins to withdraw and hold himself aloof. He also adopts a standoffish approach to the Gentiles, and he no longer eats with them, and he removes himself from them. Now, this is Peter. Peter is a key leader. Peter's one of the most powerful voices and the most influential persons in the early church. So when Peter begins to stand aloof and Peter begins to pull back from the Gentiles and no longer eats with them or has any fellowship with them, what happens? Well, look at verse 13. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So whatever the persuasive appeal was that these men from James used, it was so compelling that not only did it convince Peter, that now with Peter's influence in their camp, the rest of the Jews in the church at Antioch, including Barnabas, Paul's right-hand man, they were persuaded as well, and they began to withdraw, and they began to hold themselves aloof also. So what's the big deal with this? Well, as one author says, it would be difficult to overstate the importance of table fellowship in the ancient world. Eating with somebody was, was an action that uh, communicated massive social meaning in their context. Um, you see that, for example, in Jesus' ministry, where one of the major criticisms of Jesus' ministry is what? that he ate with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Jesus' day, in Jesus' world, couldn't wrap their heads around that. That certainly meant that he couldn't have been a prophet. He certainly wasn't very holy. And he couldn't have been pleasing to God because he would do that. And that helps us understand the significance of table fellowship, of eating with people in the ancient world. Not only that, that but Peter, in that account in Acts chapter 10, when he sees the great white sheet, he ends up going and preaching the gospel to Cornelius, and then he returns back to Jerusalem. Well, when he returns to Jerusalem, what does he get called on the carpet for? It's not that he preached the gospel to the Gentiles. Specifically in Acts chapter 11, verse 3, what Peter's called on the carpet for is this. It says in Acts eleven three, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. The eating with them is the major issue that Peter's called onto the carpet for there. So eating together in the ancient world 
has massive social significance. It communicated equality. It communicated unity and harmony and oneness. It, com- it communicated value to somebody else. You see that again, for example, in the parable of the prodigal son. When the son returns, the father throws a great feast and invites the whole village. Why? Because that's a way to welcome the, the son home in good standing and help him be restored to the community. So eating together in the ancient world had all this social meaning. And Peter had been eating with the Gentiles, communicating to them his his love of them, communicating to them his oneness with them, communicating to them his value, that he holds them as equals with himself in the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden, these ultra-conservative Jewish Christians from Jerusalem show up and somehow persuade him to no longer eat with those Gentiles. And so now he begins to withdraw. And what does that communicate? All of a sudden, that communicates... In their context, this idea of you're not good enough, you don't measure up, you don't count, uh, you're inferior, you're not as good as us Jews, this is a big issue because of the social meaning that goes with eating together. The other question we have to address before we leave Peter's behavior and hear Paul's response is, what would motivate Peter to do this? What would be so persuasive that it would convince Barnabas to do this. Like, why why were they so compelled by these men from James to do this? And at this point, we're left with speculation since we're not exactly told, but we, I think, can read between the lines and begin to make some pretty good educated guesses as to what might persuade Peter to do this. So let me just offer a couple thoughts on this. In Galatians 2, 1 through 10, that snapshot we looked at there that coordinates with Acts chapter 15, Uh, we get an insight into how uh, the early church kind of divided up Peter and Paul's ministry. Paul was supposed to focus on Gentiles. Peter was supposed to focus on the circumcised, the Jews, it says. And so we hear that in Galatians 2. Not only that, I think we see some of that in Acts chapter 15 in the way it plays out. When the Jerusalem conference ends, they fashion a letter to send to the church at Antioch, and then it gets sent to the churches eventually in Galatia, our very churches that this letter of Galatians is to, and that letter has a handful, just a handful of kind of, here's some things that we would encourage you to be mindful of as Uh, Gentile Christians for the sake of your relationship with the Jewish Christians, and not even just the Jewish Christians, the Jews in your city, for the sake that the gospel can have some credibility with them. Uh, When you read the letter, that the rationale behind the, the things to be mindful of is for Moses has in every city those who follow him. And, and so those ra- the rationale for those things given in that letter are that, um, that there are Jews in every city, and if you could at least, out of respect for Jewish conscience, keep these four things in mind that are listed in that, that letter there in Acts chapter 15, uh, it'll actually help the gospel have more credibility and help bridge the gap between the church and the Jews and all of that. So there is a ministry expedient for the sake of gospel ministry to Jews. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, the kind of food you eat, meat offered to idols, the the um, issue of blood, things strangled in blood. These are some of the specific food things that grow out of the Old Testament law that Jews were particularly sensitive to. 
So, in that context, where Peter's supposed to focus on Jews, and there is this sensitivity in the Jerusalem conference to the Jewish conscience, and that sensitivity even takes up the things that you eat, it would make sense that these men from James could come here to Antioch, see Peter doing this, and remind Peter, Peter, you, you can't be doing this. You're going you're gonna to hamstring your ministry. You're calling into question the cr credibility of the gospel and your preaching of it. Peter, you, you, you think back at Jerusalem when you go back there, and you know what happens. You've already been called to account for eating with Gentiles before, Acts chapter 11, right? So, Leveraging all this social pressure, leverage, leveraging maybe even concerns for, for ministry and gospel ministry, and Peter's persuaded by it. Barnabas is persuaded by it. Now, I don't know if that's exactly how they couched it, but it makes perfect sense in the context that that's very much how they could have couched this. And as a result, Peter withdraws. The rest of the Jews in the church at Antioch join him in that. And Barnabas himself is even carried away by this hypocrisy. And Paul is infuriated. And so he opposed Peter to his face because he stood condemned. So tune into the next session to hear exactly what Paul said to Peter when he opposed him to his face.